like that. You Hello, everybody, and welcome that. to this like Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We made it through a week. Oh, my goodness, so exciting to make it through a whole week of the Logan Blackman Show. And I say that because I've not really made it through a whole week because we did record on Monday. We haven't recorded on a Monday in um, in about two weeks. That's not going to change going into the next week because I'm going to be busy all day Sunday as well. So we're not going to have a show Monday. Sad noises. Yeah, sad, sad, sad times here for the Logan Blackman Show. But we will try to get you guys episodes at least twice a week until we start figuring out what the hell we're going to start doing on Sundays to fit in times. Because on Sundays, little known fact, so Zach Tracy, who's been on the show before, who has been on the show before, he works at the Mitchellville prison. So his weekends are Sunday and Monday. So his Saturdays are technically Sundays. So he, he doesn't have the normal weekends. So when I hang out with them, a lot of the times it takes place on Sunday. Like two weeks ago when I got done doing Mock Draft 1.0, which surprisingly, surprisingly, I so I checked this the other day. The last time I checked it before like yesterday, it was at 40-something views, 40-something views. Right now, we are sitting at 94 views, 94 views. And I can promise you, hand on heart, hand on the Bible, hand on everything, I have not clicked on this 94 times. I promise you that. I've not clicked on the mock draft 94 times. Yesterday it was at 87. So more people have viewed it in the past couple days, or in the past day, than I expect. Like, this 94 views, this is not the most viewed blog post we have had on the Logan Bible Show, to my knowledge. But before I say that, I would like to go through and check, because I put in the mock draft that that was the longest blog post we ever made, which is 69 LOL minutes. But we've had longer. There's been blog posts that have been upwards of 75 minutes or 74 minutes, somewhere around there. But I don't know if it's the most viewed because we've had mock drafts in the past, like 89 views. Mock draft 1.0 from last year's draft, the 2022 NFL draft, mock draft 1.0, 89 views. So this one, now that I've clicked on it, is at 95. Then we keep scrolling. We have stuff like in the 60s. We have stuff in the 70s, like 76 for mock draft 3.0, 72 for mock draft 2.0. This from last year. They, they just gradually got less. <laughs> we got 89 for Montreal 1.0, and then we got 72, and then 76 for Montreal 3.0, and then down to 54 in the Montreal 5.0, which was the final one, was uh, a whopping 34 views. So we gradually worked on the excitement builds up <laughs> when you first drop a Montreal, and then it just gradually works its way down as you get closer to the draft. Would you think it'd be the opposite, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think it'd be the opposite? We've had like mid-season Montreal. In October of last year, he got 54 views. So again, we're looking for something that's greater than 95 views. TLBS season preview. Yeah, that one was a video and I did a bad job plugging that. So it only got seven views. <laughs> so if anything, that proves to you that I don't do, I don't click these a thousand times myself. There's actually people looking at these because I got things from all over the place on here. Then keep scrolling. Montrose from 2021. Prospect rankings never get as much views as mock drafts, and rightfully so. Mock draft 7.0 got 45 views. Mock draft 4.0 got 58 views. I did a Jonas Musa blog post on May March 17th, 2021. So almost two years ago when Jonas Musa, one of the best midfielders the United States has, made his official debut for the United States. USMNT cannot spell Musa without USA. I thought that was pretty clever of myself. Then we have Mock Draft 1.0 from 2021 had 45. Uh, what else do we have on here? Then we go into 2020 NFL Draft. We got 55 views on Mock Draft 5.0 for the 2020 NFL Draft. 49, 52, 
30 for Montrev 3.0. Sad. Did I not post Montrev 1.0? Oh, there it is. That's the one I was looking for. When I did my on-press row internship with Gary Rima and John Leo, it was a show up in Cedar Fall, or in Waterloo, Waterloo, and it was, the guy who hosted it was the play-by-play voice for the UNI Panthers football and basketball team, men's basketball and football team. He recently retired, and is living down in Florida? I believe somewhere down in Florida, and John, John's going freaking crazy right now. John is the, I don't, I guess I shouldn't say the officially official voice of Iowa baseball, but he is one of the main voices in Iowa baseball's broadcast team. He broadcast Iowa football on the student radio station for the better part of four years? I think it then got his first, like, big, big break going to uh, the Iowa baseball team. So congrats to John on that. But that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I did Cole and Company right after that. Cole Bear, the host of Cole and Company, which is funny. Cole's middle name is Steven. So you got Cole Steven Bear, Steven Cole Bear. You got one of those things. Like, one of those. Like, I just saw the other day, Dalvin Cook's middle name is James. James Cook's middle name is, Dal- middle name is Dalvin. How the hell does that work out? But that, that show really put me, like, I... I got an idea, or I got told about Gary's show, which is called On Press Row. OPR was on 1540 KXEL up in Cedar Falls. They canceled the show in 2020, which is right right around when COVID hit. March 27th when I post this. March 27th of 2020. So three years ago, that's when I got done at OPR. Which is crazy to think of how fast time goes from that point on. But um, they canceled the show. And I got on the show because uh, Eric Barry, Eric Braley, sorry... He was one of the, I don't know what you want to call it. He was one of the reasons why I went up to UNI because he hosts, he has a company that is escaping me right now. I cannot remember what it's called. Around the Corner, Around the Corner Productions. So they did all the ESPN broadcasts. So I did a lot of stuff for ESPN3 and ESPN Plus at UNI. So I'd film basketball games, men's and women's. I'd film softball games. I'd film football games. I did all that stuff up at UNI. And then right before COVID hit, I was going to broadcast my first UNI sporting event. I was going to broadcast UNI softball. I was going to be one of the commentators for UNI softball. It was right when that hit, right when COVID canceled everything, the season got canceled, everything, then my opportunity to call that game was kaputs. Absolutely kaputs. Now I've had opportunities to call high school football games, which is more up my alley. I mean, I played football my entire life. I like to think I have some, I am somewhat knowledgeable when it comes to the sport of football. I'm not so much in the sport of softball. I am in baseball, and it's, you know, the similar-ish rules and stuff like that, but football is more my forte, but I was really excited for that. I was really nervous. I got Gary, who's one of the most well-known, most recognizable voices in the sporting Iowa scene for the better part of, like, one of the goats when it comes to sporting sports broadcasting in the state of Iowa. Like, oh, baby, that whole concept, that came from Gary when you and I beat uh, Kansas in the NCAA tournament. I'm trying to remember things on the fly. I didn't think I was going to talk about this right now. And Eric Braley was on this one the was on the selection committee, I guess you could say, that got me a position as the sports director for KULT, which is the, the radio station up at UNI. 945 KULT. Like it was an awesome experience. He was on there. He told me to go into the, I got told by a couple people to do the do the producer thing. And then Eric finally convinced me to do it. So I did that in January of 2020. I did that until December of 2020 and it was a good stepping stone from that so Eric got me in with Gary got me an interview with Gary I didn't get it because there was a there was another guy there Joel who I who I now know or I know and he works up at UNI still he was coming back or trying to decide if he was going to go 
to where he, I don't remember where he was going, but he was going somewhere or he was going to stay with Gary. So there was kind of an up in arms about that. And then I got the opportunity. I texted Gary one random week and I was like, Hey, cause I, I was talking to my parents and they were like, Hey, you should reach out to Gary just cause what's the worst that could happen? They say, no, now you could, they, I, I hate when that happens because you get the, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. You say, Oh yeah. They just say no, no. Then you get screenshotted and post on social media or they send it to their friends and stuff like that. I need that. Now this is a little bit different. I'm trying to get a job, not trying to date somebody. So it's a little bit different in that situation, but I texted Gary he said, we don't have any openings now, but I'll let you know if something pops up. And then a few months later, boom, Gary messages me. And then I move on from there. I think I started in about August. August of 2019, and then did it until March 2020. Again, the show got canceled. Gary obviously finished out his career at UNI, retired last year. So it's been weird listening to UNI football and UNI ba- basketball recently. And UNI basketball team just beat Illinois State today in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, so congratulations to them. Congratulations to them. But yeah, it was. it's crazy to think that's how it's been. It's been three years, essentially. Three years since I did that. And then after the show got canceled, Cole texted me. Because he used to be on Gary's show. He did the same thing I did. I answered phones. I was producer of the show. Like I got I I got thrown into it. And there were some things I struggled with. Some things I was good with. Some things I was good at. Some things I struggled with. But I think it was a really good learning experience at the time. There was a couple times I really hated myself. Because I felt like I was screwing up everything. But it was... Uh, I thought it was a really good experience. I still keep in touch with John. I haven't talked to Gary in a few years. But I still keep in touch with John. So I'll see. I'll shoot him a mess. I saw him in an Iowa game last, or, uh, not last year, a couple years ago, and then we'll mess each other on our birthdays and stuff like that. So everything's going good there. But it, Cole's show definitely rebuilt my confidence back because I was doing my show and everything. The show was going fine. The Logan Blackman show was still alive and thriving at the time, but I didn't have that opportunity to be a part of a live, like quote unquote, real sports show. Because Gary's show, I got paid for that, <laughs> a whopping one hundred fifty dollars a month. For that, Cole's show was an internship. And I would say I had more fun on Cole's show. I don't think it's really crazy for me to say that because I still do Cole's show. I love doing everything on Cole's show. I did radio spots. I would record ads and record previews for each show. I would read out the weekly sports report or the daily sports report when I come in there. Got credit for it. Helped me graduate from you and I, which was awesome. Really helped me out there. And then I go on Cole's show at, uh, not every Friday, but a lot of Fridays throughout the year, regardless if it's not football season or if it is. I'll just make an appearance on there like we got the draft stuff coming up. And that's what Mock Draft 1.1 comes around. Because this is what I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. With the Combine taking place today, or starting today, and we'll get to that in a little bit. With the Combine starting today, I feel like we're going to have to talk about some UNI, or Iowa and Iowa State people. There's not a lot of UNI people, not a lot of UNI representation in the NFL Combine this year. Like we had previous years. Like we had Trevor Penning last year. We had Ellerson Smith and Spencer Brown a couple years ago. Or wait, no, Ellerson Smith was last year. Sorry, 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 But it's a fun time. It's a fun time. Dom Williams, the running back, is trying to go to the NFL this year. We got Deion, uh, is Deion McShane trying to go? I think it's Deion. I think Deion McShane. Is Quan Hampton or Deion McShane? I can't remember which one said they were going to try the NFL. Isaiah Weston was there last year. So, you know, it's fun. Combine's fun, especially around the state of Iowa. Lucas Van Ness tested today. Will McDonald tested today. So we'll get to all those guys in a little bit. But again, make sure you check out Mock Draft 1.0. It's at 95 views. Let's see if it's grown since the last time we talked about it. I'm not clicking on it. Click refresh. Don't think I, oh my God, it reached 100 views already. Crazy. No, it's still at 95. It's still at 95. But I appreciate everybody for reading it. It takes a lot of time and effort to do this. I kind of become a hermit 
for the week or weekend that I type all this stuff up. It's a lot of effort, and I appreciate everybody for reading. I don't. Now, I have friends that do not really care about the NFL draft or that don't really care about football. Like, my best friend does not care about sports. He's becoming a Chiefs fan this year, but he lives down in Springfield, and he's moving to Kansas City, so he's trying to become a Chiefs fan. Never cared about the Chiefs before, and now he's choosing a good time to become a Chiefs fan, but he's got the regional thing, so it works. It's not like he's some random schmuck from Buffalo, which we met down in Kansas City for the Bills-Chiefs game this past year. Guy from Buffalo was a Chiefs fan. Born and raised in Buffalo was a Chiefs fan. How the hell does that work out? How does that work out? Family all from Buffalo, too. Why do you choose the Chiefs? Huh? Why the Chiefs? Is there a particular person that wears number 15 that would convince you to be a Chiefs fan? I don't know. I don't know. I despise all Chiefs fans, though. That's why Brady's not been on since the <laughs> since he's been on. No, I love Brady. And for those of you who are not aware, I was joking when Brady was the worst guest. Or am I joking now? I don't know. But again, the people that don't care about the draft, just at least give it a click. You don't need to read it. I'm not expecting everybody to read the entire thing. I'm expecting absolutely zero people to read the entire thing. I've read through it twice because i got to make sure everything's spelled correctly. I put that thing in Google Docs and check and see if everything's spelled correctly. But I, did, I guess I didn't double check to make sure uh, if it was actually the longest blog post ever, which again, it is not, but it felt like it at the time because I spent so much time, like consecutive hours doing it. Like in the past, I'll spread it out through like a week and a half or two weeks. No, I did it in two days, pretty much a day. On that Sunday before the toy, it was the 19th of February. was when I typed it all out, essentially. Brutal. But just go down to your teams. Scroll down to your favorite team. If your team doesn't have a first-round draft pick, scroll down to the team that has the pick that your team originally had. I'd greatly appreciate it. You can just read through that pick. You read through that pick. I'd greatly, I just appreciate the click. That's all that really matters at this point. That's what the whole thing we've talked about before with clickbait journalism and stuff like that. It's not really about the substance. It's about you just generating clicks. That's the whole point. Like, what's going to drive the most attention? What's going to draw the most, uh, what do you want to call it? The most traction? The most traffic. The most site traffic. What's going to drive the most site traffic? So when you see people like Colin Coward talk about Derek Carr's a Hall of Famer. Or you see Colin Coward talk about Aaron Rodgers fit perfectly in New York and then three days later say Aaron Rodgers not working in New York. Or you see Nick Wright talking about, uh, we don't talk about Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets because no one in the national media cares about the Denver Nuggets. Like, it's clickbait journalism. So you don't need to read it, I guess. You just need to click on it, and then I get views, and that works out for me. Works out perfectly. Now, this is not, the, the post itself is not clickbait. I believe everything that is in there can happen. I'm not slighting anybody. I'm not bashing anybody. Everything in there is what I think could happen. I'm not saying it's 100% what I would do, because that's not what mock drafts are for. Mock drafts are not for Logan to go, Oh, if Logan was the GM of the Colts, or Logan was the GM of the Bears, or Logan was the GM of the Raiders, it's not that. It's of, what do I think Jim Irsay will, Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard will do? What do I think Ryan Poles will do? What do I think whoever the hell the Raiders GM is, because I can't remember his name right now, <laughs> what do I think Josh McDaniels will do? That's what the goal is. I got to make sure it's actually somewhat accurate. I can't go like, well, Logan would draft Spencer Peters first overall. If I'm the Bears, I'm drafting Spencer Petras because you're not going to find a quarterback like Spencer Petras in this at any other time. Like it's, it'd be fun, but it's not what this is designed to do. So at least it's somewhat accurate. I'm not being like, oh my god, Bryce Young falls out of the top 15. Oh my god. Now I'll try to do like, like I'll put in these graphics that I'll post on here. Like I'll put a little tagline. I was like, Will Anderson's on here. Will Anderson or or Carter. 
and I've used this picture twice. I didn't mean to do it. I didn't notice it until after I did it. So there's two things I didn't really notice until after I posted it <laughs> was that I've used the same Will Anderson picture twice. Then Bryce Young, first QB taken, question mark. Anthony Richardson, higher than expectations or higher than expected, question mark. So it's like stuff to draw you in, but it's not like Bryce Young, 15th overall pick, and he ends up going first to the Colts. Like, it's not that. But again, greatly appreciated if you clicked on it again. 95 views. Let's go update it again. Uh, we're still at 95. But go check it out. And then while we're at that, you can check it out on all forms of social media. Look at that segue. Ooh, what a segue. We've got, uh, you can check all that out on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And of course, you're listening right now, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. With the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and like and follow the Facebook page. And then again, you can check out all these blog posts on all these different forms of social media. Greatly, it doesn't really matter which one you follow. doesn't really matter which one you click it on. Just as long as you get clicks, we need five more views to get to 100. And I'm not going to touch it one more time until we get to 100. So whether it's Monday's show or Wednesday's show, we'll come back to you and talk to you about this getting to 100 views. Hopefully. Hopefully. And we're going to try... I would say the chances are very slim, but we're going to try and get a mock draft ready for Monday. Again, I, I would say the chances of that happening are extremely slim, but just in case, just keep an eye out for it. Just keep an eye out for it, because i got a lot of stuff going on this weekend, so I've got, I don't think it's going to come this weekend. My, two we- my every two weeks thing is not going to work, so we're going to do two weeks in between mock drafts. Not post a draft every two weeks. Post a mock draft within two weeks of each other. So the next mock draft will probably be so again, we had it. This one come out. Last one come out on the twentieth, President's Day. So the next one will come out on March thirteenth, which is my sister's birthday, and my family's all out of town too. I'm gonna be all by myself in the great city of Des Moines with no family members, no nothing, just by myself. And uh, hopefully there are so I should be completely motivated to get a mock draft done. So we'll have to see about that. But again, you're listening right now, so make sure you're following it or subscribe to the Apple Podcast and Spotify accounts. I would greatly appreciate it. You can describe if you're you think you are, but you're not sure. Just scroll down, check, make sure you are, subscribe, and leave a rating out of five stars. It can be a one-star rating. It can be a five-star rating. Doesn't really matter to me, just as long as you leave a description down below. Now, honestly, honestly, I would appreciate it if you left a five-star review. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you you need to leave a five-star review. Otherwise, I'll, I'll be a very upset little boy. No, just leave a rating, whatever you want. Just let me know why you feel the way you do. Now, speaking of hurt my feelings... On this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, I am drinking a beautiful Labatt Blue Canadian Pilsner. So Brady, who I didn't think we were going to bring up today, Brady went over to D.C. this past weekend. He went over to D.C. this past weekend with his girlfriend, and they went to a Washington Capitals game, toured around D.C., went to a Capitals game. Brady's a big-time Washington Capitals fan and was a Capitals fan before they won the Stanley Cup. So it's not, like, random. Well, it is kind of random because it's the Capitals, but... Alex Ovechkin, one of the most popular players in the league, if not the most popular player in the league. Makes sense. Makes sense. And he's going for Gretzky's goal records. We'll see if that happens. Ovi was playing this week. He was hurt prior to this weekend. He played Thursday of last week and was playing this Saturday. So it was like, oh my God, Brady's going to go and his favorite player's not playing. But Ovechkin was there. Cadwell's ended up winning, I think, 6-3 was the score. But Brady sent me a picture of him drinking a Labatt Blue. A Labatt Blue light, I will say. Labatt Blue light, which I do prefer... Slightly to the original Labatt Blue. The Canadian Pilsner. Labatt Blue Canadian Pilsner. But we can, this is the only way we can get in Des Moines. And I've got a Labatt Blue flag hanging in the closet studios. So, you know, we've, we can only get this stuff. But I emailed. Because in a show like this, 
you got to try and make money somehow. And I can make money through a couple. I make some money, not enough to live on. So I have other, I have another job. I have a real job. I have a real job. So I try to like whore myself out, (laughs) I guess. And like try to get people to sponsor the show or at least do a deal with us. So I, last night at like, what time was it? About like, or maybe it was two days ago. I don't remember exactly, but no. Yeah. I drank a Labatt two days ago. I didn't have one last night. So Two days ago, after we got done recording the show, I sent an email to Labatt Blue, which is in Buffalo. Canadian Pilsner, the headquarters in Buffalo. My dad and I were there, like, the first weekend. I think their their brew house opened in Buffalo, downtown Buffalo. It was a really cool place. Really cool place. But Labatt responded, and I have yet to read it. I have yet to read I saw the, the initial part. Because you know when emails, like, on your phone, on your computer, you can read out the first little bit of the message. And on the thing this morning, it said something along the lines of, Thank you for inquiring, or thanks for your your input. Unfortunately, it's like, ah, oh, no, that's not the word I was looking for. That's not, that you don't want, when you go to somebody and say, hey, can I do X, Y, Z? Can I sponsor, can you sponsor this? Can I become a partner or something like that? You don't, when you're reading those and you see the word unfortunately, or sorry, or anything along those lines, it usually, usually does not result in a good good email. At least a good, it could be like good intentions in an email, but the, the feeling is hurt. I'm hurt by this. And I don't know what it all says. I haven't read it yet. So we're going to read it live on the, at least live for, uh, uh, from at some point it's live for me right now at 523 on this beautiful, absolutely beautiful, gorgeous March 2nd. This show's obviously coming out on March 3rd though. So stay tuned for that. Where's the Labatt blue email? Where's that? It came in this morning. It came in this morning. Okay, not at five five o'clock in the morning. Not that one. Where's that? Cus- consumer affairs. That's what it was. Yeah. So, uh, is this it? Is this it? Ah, okay. Here's what it said. It's consumer affairs. Fifco USA, I don't know if I'm saying that right. They are with Labatt. They are with uh, Seagram's in Ganesi. I am completely sorry if I say that to ruin, to not uh, potentially ruin any future endeavors here. But uh, Consumer Affairs emailed me and said, Hi, Logan. Thanks for thinking of us, exclamation point. We appreciate your inquiry and love of Labatt. Cheers. I'll drink it and take a swig right now. Despite you hurting my feelings. But we are not looking for any additional sponsorship opportunities, and we are unable to currently to help currently. If you'd like to hit us up in the future, we'll let you know if we can help then. So basically what it said, uh, no, your show sucks. We are not going to sponsor a show that gets five listeners. <laughs> but again, it's one of those things where we talked about earlier, where you send the thing, and you're like, the worst they can say is no. The worst they can say is no. Hopefully Labatt didn't send that to like Coors and like Bushlight and all those different people and go like, hey, look at this idiot. Look at this idiot that thinks he's going to get a sponsorship from us. Look at the viewers he's driving to his show. This guy freaking blows. But no, Labatt, I appreciate you emailing me back. I greatly appreciate it. I will continue to drink your delicious beverage. I will continue to keep my flag up in the in the, in the the closet studios. So, yeah. Cheers. Well, let's get on to what we were actually here to talk about today. I did not think, to be 100% honest with you, 
I don't plan out a show in advance. So I, when I was first starting off, when I did a show at William Penn, at 90, well, what was the station? 89.5 KIGC, The Kitchen, I think that's what it was called. I don't know if the station still exists. I don't know if it still exists, but I did my show there. I did it for an audio engineering class. I, something along the lines of like audio, trying to get a show started, or trying to get into that lane, per se. And, geez, sorry. Sorry. And one of the requirements for the class was that you host a show, jeez, an hour a week. You have to host an hour-long show every week. So that's where it started. That's where the Logan Blackman show started. Was in that. Was that class. Kind of getting forced to do that. And I couldn't come up with a name. I couldn't come up with a name. So I chose the Logan Blackman show because at the time, Mike and Mike was around and the Murphy and Andy show, which is here in Des Moines. So those were my inspiration for the Logan Blackman show. Because it doesn't need to be something crazy. Because there's people that are like, I don't know, the... Just, just come up with some stupid name that you could think of off the top of your head. And that's what people are going with. It's like, there's nothing really here... There's nothing exciting about the Logan Blackman show, about that name. But I would hope to like bring you in. But at that point, when I was doing that show, originally, the first ever rendition of the Logan Blackman show... I wrote out every single thing I was going to talk about. Not like talking about what I was going to say. Like I didn't write out every single sentence that I was going to say. I didn't do that. But I wrote bullet points down about, oh, Logan, this is what we're going to talk about at this time. Now, I don't do that. And I did that all the way up until right before I did um, uh, OPR on Press Row. Right before I did that. Because I asked Gary when I first started there. I was like, what is the 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 process behind getting a show together. Like, what do you do to, like, can I get a script beforehand? Like, before we do a show, can I get the script? And Gary was like, we don't do scripts. It's live sports. It's on the cuff. What do you think at this exact time? And then we just go on from there. It's like, um, I don't know what the exact phrasing of it is. Like, it's not ad-libbing, but something along those lines. Where you're just doing it on the fly, essentially. So that's kind of what this was. Where I went on a script, per se, eventually going into let's just talk about whatever so when I started this show I did not think I was going to go to a half hour and go oh yeah we're going to talk about my longest ever blog post we're going to talk about my sponsorship with the bat blue we're going to do all this different stuff I had no plan of that whatsoever I just kind of sat down plugged my computer in because it was dying because I've been using it all freaking day trying to get stuff ready for like the combine and stuff and then I plugged it in turned on my I don't know what these things are called the audio recorder and started. That was it. And then kind of just hoped everything would kind of mesh together at that point. And I hope it's meshing together together to a certain extent on this show. But yeah, it's exciting. It makes it fun. It makes it at least entertaining for me. But the Combine was fun. I mean, the Combine's always fun to watch. But like I've said before, I don't really take a whole lot away from the NFL Combine. Like, I respect the NFL Combine. I respect the tests because they're, they are important. They can show you some aspects. They can show you some aspects. But I remember when I was a kid. Like, I don't remember what how old I was exactly. Because kid can be a different, like, all different ranges. Around middle school, early high school and middle school, uh, my dad had a friend that coached Lincoln High School. His friend was the head coach at Lincoln High School. And he had a couple players that went on to go to play at Iowa. And that was Jordan Bernstein, who played corner and safety, and then Adam Roberts, who played running back. Two very important players to Iowa's Orange Bowl season when they went 2009-10, when they beat Georgia Tech. They were very important. 
And I remember Tom saying this about if you were to test in a 40 time, Jordan Bernstein would outrun Adam Robinson easily. Jordan Bernstein's a track guy. He would easily blow Adam Robinson out of the water when it comes to 40 times. But if you put him on the field, Adam Robinson's faster. And I tell people this all the time. We've talked about it here on the show. We've talked about it here on the show. There is a big difference between football speed, which is actual speed, and 40-yard dash speed. 40-yard dash is very technical. It's very technical. Because if you've run track before, all track is very, very technical. If you have one misstep, like this, and it doesn't even need to be a full step, the slightest misstep, your whole thing screwed up. Like if you watch Kyle Hamilton, who was one of my favorite players in the draft last year, safety for Notre Dame, absolute monster. Can play anywhere on the football field. He's got the size to play as a linebacker and he has the ball skills to play as a deep-lying safety. Like, the dude can do absolutely everything at Notre Dame. Like, you go watch his game against Florida State where he covers damn near 70 yards trying to hustle from one edge of the field to the opposite edge. Like, it was ridiculous. I don't remember, I'm not, 70 yards is not accurate, but it's, you know, it was just ridiculous at the time. But his 40 times sucked. His 40 times was brutal. I don't remember exactly what it was, but from what people were expecting of him, like, oh, he needs to run a fast 40 to get drafted high, and he didn't. Like Kyle Hamilton, by a lot of accounts, was considered a top-five player in the draft and then fell all the way to, I think, 13 or 14 of the Ravens. Like, that was not expected where he was going to go when the college football season ended. But his 40 time and his testing numbers did not portray a guy that was a quote-unquote top-five level prospect. Because you look at some of the safeties that have been drafted in the top five in the past. You look at like Sean Taylor. You look at Jamal Adams, who's drafted sixth. You look at Mark Barron, who's drafted the top ten. Like, Kyle Hamilton had all the skills of those guys, but he didn't test good. And you see the end zone view of his 40 time. He's all over the freaking place. Like, I, I tell you, I'm going to tell you to go and watch Kyle. Search it on YouTube. It should pop up. Kyle Hamilton's 40-yard dash in the NFL Combine last year. Like, he is basically zigzagging around his time, around the thing. If you're not in a straight line, you're done. If you are, If you stand straight up at the start, you're done. If you look up at the start, you're done. If you have your wrong foot forward, you're done. Like, there's so little margin for error when it comes to the 40-yard dash that it could screw up your entire thing, and that's what we're testing right now. And I've talked about this before, where I think the obsession with the 40-yard dash stimulates from when we were kids. Like, when you were a kid, and you were on the playground, what was one thing you did to, I I don't want to say it like this because it sounds weird, but like, assert your dominance against the other kids in your grade. You had races. You raced on the playground. You went to the blacktop and you lined up who you thought you could beat and then raced them from one end to the other. I know I did it a thousand times. thousand times. I had a friend Noah. I had a friend Spencer that we raced all the freaking time in elementary school. And we were always the top three guys in our class. Like Noah and I played football together. So every time there was a sprinting thing, Noah and I always went up against each other. And, you know, if you were the fastest kid on your play at the playground, you got all the girls, which at the time is like, you're, you know that you're dating. You're dating in elementary school. You're not really dating. You're just going like, yeah, I'm dating this person. And you're like, are you? You see each other only at school, and that's it, but you're dating. So it's that's how you got the girls, though, was you ran the fastest. And I was fast in football. I was fast in soccer. I was fast on the blacktop, and I hated track. I hated track with a burning passion. I ran hurdles. In track, not because I wanted to, because I got put on hurdles. Shuttle hurdle relay, seventh grade, first year of ever of track. Hated it. The burning passion. But I think the love and obsession with 40-yard dash times is that. Like, you want to be the fastest. 
Like John Ross has the fastest 40 time ever, 4-2-2. Or 4-2-4, somewhere around those. I can't remember the exact number. I think Chris Johnson might be 4 4 2 4 I don't remember exactly. But what did John Ross do after he got the 4-2-2? Absolutely nothing. But he got drafted in the top 10. He went from a first-round draft. There's a difference between a first-round draft pick and a top 10 draft pick. It's the same round, but getting drafted ninth versus 32nd, money-wise, team-wise, whatever, your value is insanely different if you're drafted 32nd or 10th. Completely different. Like, there's a lot of players that could be considered, quote-unquote, first-round talents. There's a handful of players that are considered top 10 picks. And if you run a fast time at the Combine, you kind of get vaulted up into that, this guy's a first-round draft pick, goes to a top 10 draft pick. And then you're going into the unheralded territory of being a top 5 draft pick if you also had good stuff on the field. Like, John Ross was fine at Washington. Him and Jake Browning had a good chemistry at Washington. They were a national semifinal appearance team. Like, they had a good team. But he did absolutely nothing in the NFL. Absolutely nothing. He got hurt 99% of his time in the NFL. I don't think he's on a team anymore. He could be. But let's check. Is John Ross on a football team anymore? He's on the Chiefs? Okay, that could have fooled me. I I did not. I was not aware John Ross was on a football team. Let alone the Kansas City Chiefs. So does John Ross have a Super Bowl ring? Is he a Super Bowl champion? No, okay. He's only on the practice squad. Or did he get signed this offseason? Hold on. Oh, he signed in January. So, I mean, he got he was on the team or helped the team win the Super Bowl in the practice. He got signed on January 9th. They ended up winning the Super Bowl in February. So, yeah, in his career, he has 957 yards receiving. His first year after getting drafted ninth overall, started one game, played three, zero catches, zero yards, zero touchdowns. He had a rush attempt for 12 yards. That was it. Second year, 10 games started, 13 played, 21 catches, 210 yards, 10 yards per reception, seven touchdowns. The next year, eight games started, eight games played, 506 yards, three touchdowns, and then uh, one game started in 2020, and then done. Went to the Giants, played one, started one game there, done. Now he's on the Chiefs practice squad. Not even 1,000 yards receiving. Like, I respect people that can run really fast. I think it's cool. I think it's cool. Because, again, that thing in you that's like, oh, you're the fastest, you're the coolest. That's how it works out. Everybody loves the dude that can absolutely burn on the 40-yard dash time. And it can definitely boost up your draft stock. There's like workout animals that weren't really on the field. And you go like, oh, look at the potential there. The biggest example I have of combine warrior, I guess, is Mike Mamula. For those of you who don't know who Mike Mamula is, I got to make sure I spell his name right so I can pull up his stuff. So Mike Mamula was a linebacker at Boston College. Linebacker defensive end at Boston College. And he was like a borderline. This is exactly what we're talking about, though. He was a borderline first-round draft pick. Borderline first-round draft pick. Maybe even a second-round draft pick. But he got drafted seventh. You want to know why he got drafted seventh? Because you know what the drills of the combine are going to be beforehand. They rarely change up things at the combine. Now, they were running drills today like, oh, they had some interesting, I don't remember what the names were. But, like, you can test, like, broad, you can practice broad jump. You can practice vertical. You can practice the 40. You can practice bench press. Now, there's going to be, like, on-the-field workouts and stuff like that. But you can train for all the other stuff. And Mike Mamula went from a first-round draft pick to a top-10 draft pick because all he did was train those workouts during the offseason. He was a fine player in college, but he went up to a seventh-overall draft pick. Like, you look at what he did at the Combine. 
Although practice is prevalent today, in 1995, most players performed football drills and paid less attention to specific drills. Measured at the combine, Mabula had 26 reps at 225 on bench press, which is more than the top tackle taken in that draft in Tony Baselli, who's now a Hall of Famer. Congratulations to him. Had a five, a four, five, eight in the 40. Time was considered extremely fast for his position, which he was a D-end. He scored a 49 out of 50 in the Wonder League test, which is means he's smart. Second highest score ever recorded by a player. In addition, he had a 38.5-inch vertical jump higher than quarterback Jimmy Hitchcock, who was, like, old guy. Old guy. You Probably so you don't know him. I barely know who he is. <laughs> Mamula also performed the four-square run in, four, in 7.82 seconds. It's not the three-cone drill, just for you know. And then he had uh, his 7.82 second drill was only .03 seconds behind the best time Posted at that combine. Additionally, Mamula posted a standing broad jump of 10 and a half inches and a 20 yard shuttle of 4.03. Of the 300 players at the combine, regardless of position, the fastest 40 was 4.42. The best vertical jump was 41 and a half, and the standing broad jump was 10 11. The, 20, the best 20 yard shuttle was 3 9, and the best four square was 7.79, and the best bench press was 37 reps. So he's right there near the top of every single category as a defensive end. Six foot four, five eight, 248 pounds when he measured at the combine. He went from a first-round draft pick to a top 10 pick, and the Eagles traded up from 12 to 7 to get that pick. Like, I respect the combine. I respect it takes a lot of effort to get everything ready to go in that, but the Eagles traded up from 7 to 12, or 12 to 7, and the 12th pick was used by the Buccaneers who drafted Warren Sapp, who was a Hall of Famer and was spearheaded one of the greatest defenses of the 21st century with, with Derek Brooks, who was also drafted in the first round of that draft. Bucks got two Hall of Famers in that draft. And one of them was used by the pick the Eagles traded up to get Mike Mamula. So it's like, the Combine's cool. The Combine's fun. But... Man, I'm sure they would rather have Warren Sapp. They might not have had a killer need for defensive tackle, but it's one of those things where if you have a Hall of Famer available, you're going to tell me you're passing on him because you didn't need a defensive tackle at the time. Like, come on, you could use you could use a Warren Sapp. It doesn't matter if you need him or not. You could use a Warren Sapp. He was a Hall of Famer, transformed the Bucks defense, led him to the Super Bowl. They were a terrible team at the time. Like you can train for the DK Metcalf was that before too, but DK Metcalf had more off, had more injuries. So he fell all the way to the last pick of the second round, and the Seahawks got him, and he balled out. But, like, the Combine's cool. Combine is cool. I don't want to take anything away from it. I did testing in college, too. We did all these drills in high, in college. You did the bench press. You did the broad jump. You did the vert. You did the 40. I don't remember what any of my numbers for the bench press, for, or a bench press vertical and broad jump were. My 40-yard dash time, best time, was a 4.78. That was my best time ever. I didn't test my sophomore year of high school or sophomore year of college because I got I got a concussion in the in the fall and I got a concussion in the spring, so I didn't get to test my forty yard or any of those things at the end of it, end of my football career. But my best one was a four seven eight, which is like it's cool. I think what's Josh Allen's forty yard dash time? Was that Josh Allen's forty yard dash time? Ah, forty four seven five. So me and Josh are not that similar, but I definitely don't have a forty inch vertical. I don't remember what my broad jump is. I don't remember what my three-cone drill was. But, like, these, you can prepare for this. And just because you test well in your underwear does not mean you're going to... It's going to translate 
right away to you being a dominant football player or being a top worthy of a top 10 pick on the field. Like my Mamula played five years in the league. Play it was all right in Philly, but he got beat up. He was a 252-pound defense fan. Back then, you were getting bullied. Getting very, very bullied. And he wasn't fast enough from his position to actually be able to overcome the size differences, the size discrepancies between him and the defense, the offensive tackle standing across from him. So it's cool. Again, I got to reiterate this. It is cool. It is fun to watch. It is entertaining. But there's a lot of value that gets put on the combine stuff. And a lot of people seem to forget what happens on the field and what they did in college. Now, sometimes there's situations that pop up where he was injured. So it's just nice to see him work like Brian Bressy at Clemson. Worked out today. Looked really good on his workouts today. And he did a lot of interviews this week talking about his health. So we'll see if he is able to get back into the upper echelon of the first round. Because talent-wise, he's a top 10 pick. Injury-wise, we're talking about he's top 32, but that difference between top 10 and, again, top 10 first round, big difference. Big, big difference. So we'll see how that affects him there. And then speaking of defensive tackles today, we're going to be focused on the interviews. Jalen Carter, defensive tackle from Georgia. I don't remember. Did I I take a screenshot of what was the quote-unquote charge of what was going on with Jalen Carter? Where is that at? Hold on. Is that it? No. Where is this at? Where is it? I can't find it. But Jalen Carter was street was it street racing? What exactly was it? Cause he's back at the combine. He posted bail. He posted bail, so he's back at the combine. But regardless of what the situation was, because I can't remember exactly what it was. So his draft stock could be affected by this. So he's needed to ace the interviews. So the interviews, I think, are more important than the actual on field testing, in my opinion. And Dan Campbell, defensive coach of the uh, geez, defensive coach, the head coach of the Detroit Lions, he kind of agrees with me. He kind of agrees with me. Because there's a difference between running fast in your underwear and running fast in pads. There is very rare an opportunity where you're going to be running fast in a straight line on a football field for 40 straight yards. Very rare of an opportunity that happens. It can happen. I'm not saying it can't happen. But it's very rare that that does happen. Like Nolan Smith today ran a 4-4 at the combine today. Unofficial time. I don't know if they... Oh, he got a 4-3-9. Good freaking Lord official time. 4-3-9. It's defense end. And the dude is quick. Dude is quick. I said he was getting somewhere in the low 4-5s. Like a 4-5 dot. And he got a 4-4-4. Jay-Z. Shout out Jay-Z. Dude got an unofficial 4-3-9. But again, you see my reaction there? Like, dude, got a 4-3-9 in the 40? When is Nolan Smith ever, ever going to run 40 yards in a straight line? Not only that, when is he ever going to run 40 yards in a straight line without pads on on the football field? Now he's fast. He's very athletic. He's not that big, but he's very athletic. He's one of those, like, could be a first-rounder, might not be a first-rounder, because there's some really good edge rushers in this class that could be definitely around that category as well. <laughs> but, man, Nolan Smith ran fast. Nolan Smith ran fast. Byron, Byron Young, the Tennessee one, ran a 4-4-3. It was a 4-5-1 unofficial his first time. Then he ran a 4-4-8, I think, unofficial his second time. Then you got Robert Beal from Georgia, another Georgia guy. And they did a they did a good thing on the broadcast today, talking about Georgia players. Georgia rotates a lot. So when you're judging Georgia players, you cannot use them in the same category as, like, other players because they rotate so much. There's so much time. You look at the defensive line from last year. Look at the defensive line. Like, Jalen Carter was a backup on the defensive line. Jalen Carter, barring how he does the interviews, 
is one of the favorites to be drafted as the first defender off the board. I'm not going to say first overall pick, but first defender off the board. Again, we'll see how the interviews go. We'll see how the interviews go in that whole process. Because he could fall. I don't think there's reality where Jalen Carter falls out of the top 10. I saw a mock draft today that had Jalen Carter going 17th. I don't think he falls that far. I think this happened, this arrest happened early enough in the process to where he can kind of, what do you call it, heal the wound, I guess you can say. Because if this happened draft night, if this happened draft night, like all these things usually tend to happen at, then it would be something a little bit different. Then we might be talking about, oh, Jalen Carter, one of the favorites to go first overall, one of the best players, if not the best player in the draft, is now sliding outside the top 10 and maybe outside the top 20. Like, this isn't some, like, normal arrest. This is arrest for being linked with the death of a teammate. So it's a little bit it's a little bit different than just your average petty arrest or something like that. Like, Laramie Tunsil fell all the way to 13 in Miami for the gas mask video on draft night. So, like, these things can definitely tank draft stocks, but I think, again, it happened in March. The draft's not until late April, and especially early March. March 1st is when this happened, when the arrest happened. And he turned himself in. It wasn't like he had to go, they had to hunt him down or something. He turned himself in and then was back at the Combine today. They showed him on the TV. He wasn't testing at all today. And, you know, makes sense. But I don't think he was testing any, anyways. I don't think he was going to test. There's some players that decide not to test at the Combine and to save all that for the Pro Day, which I can respect. I can respect. You have more time to work out. So you go to the Pro Day and test out there and ball out there. But a lot of people, you know, the Combine's the big stage. The big stage. Pro Day is not as big of a stage because there's not as many players there. But Pro Days are fun. I've been to a couple of UNI Pro Days before. They're fun to watch. They're fun to watch. Even if you're like, oh, yeah, he's probably not going to get drafted that high. Or this is a player. Oh, God bless him. He's he's trying his hardest. He wants to go and play in the NFL to a certain extent. But, you know, in your heart, you're like, ah, you're not going to go anywhere. But it's just fun to watch. So I respect players for doing that. But, again, the the whole combine thing. If he runs a four, if he if Nolan Smith runs a 4-3-5 at his Pro Day, people are going to be like, man, Remember when he ran a 4-3-9 at the Combine? Even though he ran faster than the Pro Bowl? Or Pro, jeez, Pro Day? Now, he didn't run a second time. He sat on that one, and it worked out very well. His unofficial time, his official time was a 4-3-9. They were comparing him to DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs. Which, is he as fast as them? Or are they fast? Is he faster than them on a football field? Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? But he can definitely chase someone down. He can definitely chase someone down. But then we got Byron Young again, 4 4 3 I need to go to Twitter because I've always struggled saying his name. I apologize. The DM from Northwestern. DM from Northwestern where Dane Brugler tweeted it out for me. Eddie Tommy what? Eddie Tom what? Tommy what? Sorry. Eddie Barra. So Eddie Barra, a big dude, bigger dude than Nolan Smith. Like 6'2", 282 pounds. Nolan Smith, what is what was Nolan Smith's official weight? He's not a big guy to begin with. He was just at 238. This is at 238. So this dude's got damn near 50 pounds on him. And he ran a just slower 40 at a 4.49. And yeah, yeah, Diabe, Diabe from Louisville ran a 4.51. Yeah, Isaiah Foskey ran a 4.58. Lucas Van Ness, Iowa's own, 4.58 there. Nick Hampton from Appalachian State, another 4.58. Uh, Isaiah Land, who a lot of people are getting excited about from Florida A&M, ran a 4.62. Then we have Kalija Cansey. I mean, this one was one of the least surprising. I think Nolan Smith and Kalijah Cansey are two of the least surprising, like, top for their positions. So, Nolan Smith is a DN. I don't know why he was running with the DNs. Like, or if, I don't know if he was with the, if you want to classify him as a linebacker or a DN. Yeah, he was working out with the DNs. I don't know why. Nolan Smith's an outside linebacker. Nolan Smith ain't, <laughs> he ain't a DN. 
He ain't a DN. Didn't play DN in college. He's not going to play DN at the next level. But, hey, ran a 4-3-9. Four, there was someone last year that did something similar, but I don't remember who it was. But Kalija Cansey, for the D tackles, he was listed in college at six foot. He came in at six foot one. So he got bigger <laughs> after after his college career ended. He gets six one, two eighty one. So he's an inch taller and a pound heavier than what he was when he was measured at Pitt. And now we're not gonna say that was official because that's just what everybody said. Like at William Penn, I was listed at six foot one ninety. That's what I was because I thought those numbers sounded cool. Because they were. Like I like when things have zeros after it. I don't like when like, oh, this guy came in at six foot one, two hundred and Thirteen point five pounds. It's accurate, but I like to like Kevin Durant's not six nine. Ain't no way in hell Kevin Durant's six nine. But he always said I like the way a six foot nine small forward sounded. So he said he's six nine small forward. He's bigger than everybody in the NBA pretty much. But Kalijah Cansey, six foot one two nine two eighty. He was doing himself a disservice. That's just what you tell coaches. But he came in yesterday and said he was going to wow people at the with the forty yard dash time. To be honest, given what we talked about on Wednesday. A uh, four six seven did not really surprise me. He was the fastest D tackle in the draft class, and uh, again, not surprising at all. Uh, Bob Lenato, his pit teammate, ran a four seven eight defensive end. Uh, then we have who else? We have Brenton Cox from Florida ran a four eight two. Brian Bressy, we talked about him a little bit. Uh, ran a four eight six, was a very good time. He's a lot. He's got twenty pounds, twenty five pounds on Kalijah Cansey. Eyes okay. He came in at two ninety eight. He was listed at like three oh five when he was at Clemson. Came in at two ninety eight. Uh, then we got Zach Pickens from South Carolina, ran a 4.89. Jervon Dexter ran a little slower than what Daniel Jeremiah said he was expecting at a 4.88. Keanu Benton ran a 4.08 from uh, Wisconsin, defense tackle from Wisconsin. And then the slowest time of the day was PJ Mustafer from Penn State, ran a 5.41. A then Siaki Ika from Baylor was not expecting an amazing time from him. Was not expecting an amazing time. He's as big. We brought him up with a comparison to Jordan Davis in regards to the size. He's not a blazer. Jordan Davis, I think, ran a four seven seven last year. Like that's wowing people. Like that's wowing people. A dude that's six foot six, three hundred fifty pounds, running a four seven seven is insane. That makes no sense whatsoever. ever. So Kalijah Canty, I wouldn't say blew away everybody by running a four six seven because. He's fast. Everybody knew that. We knew he was going to run a fast 40. But Siaki Ika ran a 5.39, which was not expecting him to blow the doors off. But, like, going to the combine, the 40-yard dash doesn't mean a whole lot. Orlando Brown fell to the third round because he ran a slow 40. When the hell is a def- an offensive tackle going to run 40 yards in a straight line? Unless he's celebrating. When is that ever going to happen? That's never going to happen. That was a trick question. It's never going to happen. It is never, ever, ever going to happen. Then you got the 10-yard splits, which a lot of people really care about because this is the more accurate measurement. It's a more accurate measurement because there's a lot more opportunities for you to run 40 yards in 10, or 10 yards straight line more often than you are going to run 40 yards in straight line. Uh, Nolan Smith had a five, 1.52. Yaya Diaby, 1.56. Uh, Addy Barra, sorry, Addy Barra ran a 1.61. Byron Young had a 1.62. Then for defense tackles, again, Kalijah Cansey, 1.64. You had the same thing for Lucas Van Ness at a 1.64. And the slowest time there was Siaki Ika at 1.88. Tied, I guess, with P.J. Mustafer at 1.88. Which, again, doesn't matter. If you're a defense tackle, it doesn't really matter. The vertical jump, Nolan Smith won again. Nolan Smith won again, 41.5 inches. So he had a 4.39 40 time, and then a 41.5 inch vertical. The only one here to jump over 40 inches. You had Ogier... 
Orgy from Penn or from Penn State from Vanderbilt had a 38 and a half. Byron Young had a 38, just behind Nolan Smith and everything. Just can't pass him. Just can't pass him. Jack Campbell, Iowa's own Jack Campbell, 37 and a half on his four on his vertical jump. Which again, we've talked about this before. Iowa always has people test good. If you're from if you went to Iowa, you're gonna test good more often than not. It could, it's expected of you to test good. Like remember when Tristan Van Wer- Tristan Van Wer- Tristan Wirfs. Combine, tore apart the combine, it was kind of expected. Lucas Van Ness didn't have the highest vertical. He had a 31-inch vertical, but Jack Campbell, like Lucas Van Ness, we have a general idea of where he's going to go. We have a general idea. He's going to go somewhere in the top 20, all things considered. He's going to go somewhere in the top 20. Jack Campbell is going to be someone that needs to do well at the combine for him to get into that top linebacker discussion because I think the top two are Drew Sanders and Trenton Simpson from Clemson and Arkansas. I think those are the top two guys. And then Jack Campbell's at number three for me. And then you got, like, Diane Henley from Washington State. You got Henry Totoa from Alabama. You got Noah Sewell. You got and then um, Dorian Williams from Tulane. Like, you've got guys up there. But I think Drew, Drew Sanders and Trent Simpson, two a little bit different linebackers, but all very athletic. And Jack Campbell jumping a 47, 30, 47 good Lord, 37 and a half is very good because when you look at, like, consider the other top guys, like Diane Henley, who we just brought up, had a 35-inch vertical. Yeah, Noah Sewell, who I just brought up too. Where'd he go? He had a 33-inch vertical. You had Dorian Williams, a 33 and a half-inch vertical. Henry Toa Toa ran, had a 30-inch, 32-inch vertical. Sorry. Yeah, he needed to have a good time, and if he's the top, I guess second from top. No, not second, third from top. Sorry, <laughs> third from top on that one, but it's still impressive nonetheless. And I saw Will Anderson's going to be testing with the, the linebackers, which is why I thought Nolan Smith would touch with the linebackers, but who the hell knows? We'll see. I'm waiting. They haven't said anything about the 40 times yet for the linebackers. Have those not been announced yet? No. My stream stopped. That's why we're recording now. My stream stopped working. And I waited there for about 20 minutes, and it wouldn't go. So we just came in here and started recording. Then broad jump. Uh, now we have Byron Young, who had an 11-inch broad jump, along with Will McDonald, who had an 11, 11-inch broad jump. Uh, Yasir Ab- Abdullah had a 10.9 inch broad jump. He had Nolan Smith at 10.8. Jack Campbell, 10.8. Derek Hall at 10.7. Isaiah Land, we brought up before, 10.6. O- Owen Popo, 10.6. BJ Ozolari, 10.6. Uh, Diane Henley, 10.5. And then where's my boy Lucas Van Ness? Where's the Iowa? 9.10. I don't remember what my numbers were. Keon White, 9.9. Nine. But yeah, I don't remember what all my numbers were. But this is all stuff that. Will make or break your draft stock, though. Does it really matter? Not all the time. Not really. But you know what? People are going to care about it. People are going to care about it. And right now, Nolan Smith's dominating. I mean, Nolan Smith at the fast forty-yard dash time. He's the fastest in the combine right now. Not everybody's tested. That's not going to stand. Like you got Jalen Hyatt, Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. These guys are going to blow out the combine. Devon Ashney from Texas A&M. Keely Ringo, Joey Porter Jr. Like these guys will all run faster times. And Tyler Scott and Jalen Hyatt are competing for me with the fastest 40-yard dash time. Jameer Gibbs will have a faster 40 time. Malik Cunningham and Dorian Thompson-Robinson might have a faster 40 time. Malik Cunningham probably should. So we'll see about that. But for right now, Nolan Smith is the winner of the combine. Nolan Smith's the winner. I think Will McDonald, if he ran the 40, which he did not, would have been interested to see how he did here if he ran the 40, or did he? And I'm just not missing it, or I'm missing it. Okay, I was going to say, I didn't watch him run the 40 because I didn't think I saw him there. But the vertical jump, broad jump, especially the broad jump, the sec- the joint highest broad jump, Byron Young being second in the 40, second in the 10 or third in the 10 yard split. 
uh, I keep doing this, fourth in the 10-yard split, second in the vertical jump, and then longest broad jump. He's definitely helped him put himself up there. We got Isaiah Land. Again, he's definitely helped himself out there. Coming from Florida A&M, there's not a lot of eyes on him, so he's going to need that. Like, for schools that have – or players that are coming from smaller-ish schools like Florida A&M, this is where this helps because all the eyes are on you now. All the eyes are on you. So you need to perform better than someone like a Nolan Smith who's been at Georgia, who's won a national championship, who's played games. Like, he missed a lot of the season this year. I think he missed seven games, I think is what they said. But – yeah, those the tests are more important for those little school guys or little players. Little not little players, the smaller school guys. Smaller school guys. But yeah, Nolan Smith, definitely the leader right now for the combine. But then again, Adibara from Northwestern, he's definitely up there. 282 pounds running a sub four five forty. That's ridiculous. But I, again, like you looking back at the combine in the past, from the past, like Justin Jefferson, they were saying I don't remember what the exact time was. But there was some number he needed to be under to be considered a first-round draft pick. Like, Jalen Rager was drafted before him. And if Justin Jefferson had run faster, and that's the only reason why Rager was drafted before him. And you're going to tell me Jalen Rager's a better receiver than Justin Jefferson? Like, the Eagles had done a great job with A.J. Brown, but they wouldn't have needed to trade for A.J. Brown if they drafted Justin Jefferson originally. And then who the hell knows what happens there? The Vikings draft Brandon Ayuk there? Did they draft T. Higgins at 22? Like, who the hell knows? It could set off a whole chain of events. And we're not even talking about the the Bengals trying to figure out if they're going to trade T. Higgins or not, even though they came out and said that if you want a receiver, you better go out and find your own. So we need to trade Higgins. So it's going to be really funny if they if he does end up getting, <laughs> getting traded because he just come out and said that, oh, yeah, we're not trading him. No way we're trading T. Higgins. He's a very important part of this team. We're not trading him. And then guess what? You're traded, <laughs> which it's the NFL. It's a business, but I guarantee you he's going to go off for like 400 yards on you when he comes and plays Cincinnati next. So you better trade his ass to the, the NFC, somewhere in the NFC. But yeah, the Combine, we got more stuff coming up for the Combine coming up in the coming days, coming up in the coming days. Top performers, what is this? Oh, this is all time. Oh, top performers all time. So yeah, John Ross ran a 4-2-2. Chris Johnson is the 4-2-4. Kalen Barnes from Baylor last year ran a 4-2-3. Tark Woolen ran a 4-2-6, and somehow that didn't help him. Tark Woolen fell all the way to, I think, the fourth round. Tark Woolen was a freaking beast at UTSA. Given his size, two ran a 4-2-6. Dree Archer in 2014 ran a 4-2-6. Henry Ruggs, first receiver taken. Tyquan, Tyquan Thornton ran a 4-2-8. Got him drafted a lot higher than what he probably should have with the, with the Patriots last year. Darius Hayward Bay, 4-3. Definitely got him drafted higher than what he should. Belis Jones got drafted a lot higher. Then what else do we got on here? What are, what's the fast quarterback time ever? Reggie McNeil from AM, RG3441 makes sense. Marcus Vick, Desmond Ritter, Marcus Mariota, Tyrod Taylor, Trevor Knight. Forgot about that guy. Forgot about Trevor. And he had a really good bowl game with Oklahoma and then did nothing. It did nothing. Then Baker Mayfield beat him out. Nick Marshall, remember, I forgot about him. Dude was awesome at Auburn. Not like amazing, but he was awesome. And then Brad Smith from Missouri, Bill's legend. Russell Wilson ran a 4-5-5. Josh Johnson, 17 NFL teams later, still ran a 4-5-5. Jeff Driscoll, one of the most surprising times at all all time, 4-5-6. Uh, Trace McSwirly, 4-5-7. Blake Sims. Wow, forgot about Blake Sims. Jared Zabransky, Boise State. Cole McDonald, who we brought up when we talked about the XFL. Tyree Jackson, who got yelled at by Steve Smith at the Combine. And then Logan Thomas, now tight end. Kevin O'Connell, Vikings coach, 4-6-1. Nice, nice. We got the highest vertical jump for the quarterbacks. Josh Portis, 
No idea. <laughs> Tim Tebow. Wow, 38 and a half inch vert. Justin Herbert, 36. Cardale Jones, 36. A lot of 36s. A lot of 36s. Marcus Vick's in there again. Jordan Love. George Bransky's in there again. Kelly Bryant. Wow. I forgot about Kelly Bryant. Yeah, that was that that was that was just that was sad. That was kind of sad. I mean, you're you're the starting quarterback for Clemson. You didn't really do anything that special, and the greatest high school quarterback of all time comes in. Not Reed Sennett. Trevor Lawrence comes in. And you're like, well, shit. I'm not keeping the job. You can try your damnedest, but you're I'm sorry, dude. You're not keeping the job. Brad Smith. This is why Brad Smith got moved to wide receiver, though. <laughs> Brad Smith is tops for or near the top in every single like vertical, 40 yard, broad jump. Is he up there for three cone? Did he not run three cone? Where's he at? He's he must not run the three cone because he's not popping up here on the three cone drill. But yeah, the combine the combine is fun. The combine is fun. I remember Brady Quinn twenty four bench press reps. I remember that one. Jay Cutler twenty three. Tavares Jackson RIP twenty two draft twenty two reps. Marquise Gray. Wow, Minnesota quarterback played for the Bills for a little bit. Tight end. Nick Marshall's up there. But yeah, the Combine's, it's more fun than being like an end-all and be-all for players, if that makes sense. It's just fun. It is fun. Like, you want to say you're the best at something. You say you're the fastest, like, like, who would really remember John Ross if he didn't run a fast 40? For the average person, you know he's fast. Chris Johnson, one of the rare cases where that has, like, translated to the NFL. Like, where that's actually translated. You look at some of the top guys in this draft, in this list. How many of them are considered really, or were considered really, really good players? So let's go with all-time list. There's a few players on here. So we got, I'm just going to stop me when you, when you hear someone you, like, was a really good player. So John Ross, Kalen Barnes, okay, Chris Johnson, got him, CJ2K. Tark Wollen will take him out too. Dree Archer, Henry Ruggs. Marquise Goodwin's been a serviceable player. Tyquan Thornton. Jalen Myrick, J.J. Nelson, Jacoby Ford, uh, Javelin Goodry from Utah, uh, Zedrick Woods, Jamel Dean, Darius Hayward Bay, Vilas Jones, Paris Campbell, Andy Isabella, who was drafted before, I believe, D.K. Metcalf, uh, Curtis Samuel, Keith Marshall. Remember Gershel? Does anybody else remember that at Georgia? It was Keith Marshall and freaking Todd Gurley. That was a big thing back then. And then Gurley went freaking supernova, and then Keith Marshall kind of got forgot about. Trey Waynes, Tyvon Branch, Justin King, Calvin Austin, who was my prediction to get the fastest last year, and then Dante Jackson. So there's about five players that you can honestly say are good NFL players. But you remember who a lot of these players are, because or some of these players are because of how fast they were. It's just It's just how it works out. People like being the fastest. People like being the fastest. So it just worked out like that. But I kind of loosely talked about this. I, I, well, I, I didn't, like, go out there and say it, but I brought up the XFL because we brought up Cole McDonald. He's on, I don't remember what team he's on, but he's on the XFL now. And this is a discussion that has been brought up numerous times throughout national media. I don't know if we've actually talked about it in full before. But this is a thing that gets brought up a lot. And it's the, how we're going to start it off is, there used to be conversation. I'll never forget this as long as I live. It was the ninety, the 95-96 Bulls, the team that won 72 games, versus 
the Kentucky Wildcats team with the Harrison Twins when they went undefeated before losing in the Final Four to Wisconsin. There was polls out there on ESPN, not some bootleg website, about who would win between Kentucky and the Bulls. And then there were conversations about which Al- would Alabama beat the 0-16 Browns. And the answer to both those questions is very simple and very short. No college team will beat a professional, top-level professional team. No college team, no way in hell are is that Kentucky team beating the Bulls. Like, if you look at that team, I don't remember what year that Kentucky team was, but I remember that recruiting class. Like, that was supposed that was going to be the next Fat Five because all the recruits from that season, they came in that same exact year. There was a bunch of really good players in that class. And they were all, like, top five recruits in the nation or something like that. Like, they were ridiculous players. And I want to... Is it 2014? Is this when they lost to Stan- to Wisconsin? What year was it? Because they went runner-up. Okay, yeah. Yeah, 2014-15 Kentucky. 38-1. Lost to Wisconsin in the Final Four. So you, this, was, this, this team had Devin Booker, who wasn't a starter on this team, which doesn't matter, but he's on the team. Aaron Harrison, Tyler Eulis, Andrew Harrison... Carl Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns, Willie Coley-Stein, uh, Todd Latner, Alex Poitras, Dominique Hawkins, who was a backup point guard, Derek Willis, Trey Lyles, and Dakari Johnson. So your starting lineup of this team, if I remember correctly, do they have a starting lineup on here? Because sometimes these Wikipedia pages will have starting lineups on here. But it was like Her- the Harrison Twins point guard shooting guard, and then it was Poitras as the small forward, and then Coley-Stein and Cat. Was a starting lineup, I said. Or Trey Lyles. Was Trey Lyles a starting, starting small forward? I don't remember exactly how it was. But either way, doesn't matter. That team's not beating the Bulls. That team's not coming. The Bulls had three Hall of Famers on that team. And Scotty, Jordan, and Rodman. Three. I have four, because Tony Kukoc was on that team, too, coming off the bench. There is not a same. Maybe Devin Booker. Maybe Devin Booker. But there's not any Hall of Famers on this team apart from maybe Devin Booker. And you're telling me the Harrison Twins, who were, one of them I don't even think was drafted. So we got Andrew was a second-round draft pick. Was Aaron drafted or was Aaron a second-round draft pick? Yeah, Aaron was undrafted. They're not touching the Bulls. They're not touching the Bulls. And my main thing when I say this, all this all this stuff, like when you're talking about where players come from, every single player on the Bulls is at the NBA. Every single one of them. Not every player on this Kentucky team is in the NBA. And it wasn't when they were playing, when they were at Kentucky. None of them were in the NBA at the time. The NBA and the NFL are the best of the best of the best. Kentucky basketball is the best of the best. The NFL and the NBA is the best of the best of the best. Like, you know that old saying, there's like a less than percentage chance you get drafted in the NFL? Every player that goes to Alabama has dreams of getting drafted. And the sad reality is, not every player is going to get drafted. And the sad reality is, every player that does get drafted, not every one of them is going to be a success in the NFL. That's what the whole term bust comes from. There are players that get drafted in the 7th, 7th, 6th, 7th round you'll never hear from again. And unless you're a diehard fan of that team, you forget they even existed. And you definitely don't remember if they were on the in the NFL or not. Like Drew Tate, one of the greatest Iowa quarterbacks of all time, arguably the second greatest behind Chuck Long, was on the Rams practice squad and then went up to Canadian football. Like the one of the greatest players in program history is a practice squad player on the Rams' 
and then went up to Canada. Every single player in the NFL is in the NFL. Not every single player on Alabama or Georgia is in the NFL. There's going to be a lot of players that can go to the NFL from Georgia and Alabama. A lot of very talented players, a lot of first-round draft picks. But they're not guaranteed. Like, the Cleveland Browns, 0-16 Cleveland Browns, would beat an undefeated Alabama team. Every time. Every single, every freaking time. Because, again, not all those Alabama players would be in the NFL. Now, this is where it gets interesting. This is where it gets interesting. I had to preface this before I went into this by saying high-level professional sports. Because I think that Georgia, this Georgia team, could beat the best XFL team, which I think right now is the St. Louis Battlehawks. It's either them or the Roughnecks. I don't remember which one. Because every single player at Georgia, though they might not be able to make it in the NFL, I believe all the stars on Georgia could play in the XFL. Every single one. But there's a mixture of XFL players and NFL players on Georgia. There is no NFL players. And if they are NFL players, they're backup NFL players on St. Louis or Houston. Like, does that make sense? Like, I think that a Georgia or an Alabama could beat the best XFL, AAF, or USFL team. I don't, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but I think they can. I think they can. I know there's that whole thing of you're playing grown adults, which I think is a big factor there, but I think skill-wise, Georgia can compete with an XFL team. Georgia can compete with no NFL team. I don't care. You can bring in the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are beating the Georgia the Georgia Bulldogs. Back-to-back national champ Georgia Bulldogs versus the 3-14 and 14 Chicago Bears who had their first, draft, first, first overall draft pick in the common draft era. That Bears team is trouncing the Georgia Bulldogs. But, again, that Georgia team could beat the Roughnecks, could beat the Battle Hawks, could beat... I don't know about the Brahmas. I don't know about the Brahmas because they got Reed Sinnott. So I don't know about the Brahmas. I don't know if the Brahmas ended up winning this past weekend, but I don't know, but that's the close one. That's the one I'd have to think about a little bit. That is definitely the one I need to think about a little bit. Is could you beat the Owen the the one and one Brahmas? Did Reed play last week? <laughs> that would definitely help my case here, wouldn't it? Die he didn't play. Die he didn't play. That's why they're one and one. That's why they're one and one. Or no, they're oh, they're one. Uh, they uh, that I'm looking at last week's stats. Where's week two's? They beat the Guardians. Okay, that's that doesn't count. That does not count. The Guardians have Paxton Lynch. That doesn't. They have Paxton Lynch and DeAndre Francois. That does not count as a win. I am sorry. And you know what? I think the Georgia Bulldogs beat the Orlando Guardians by 30 points. That's how confident I am in saying that. I think they trounce the Guardians. Like, you're looking at these rosters, man. Like, there's some good players on here. But there's, like, most of these players wouldn't even be able to play for Georgia. <laughs> like, Luis Perez. As much as I love Luis Perez. At least the dude Perez. AAF legend. Birmingham Irons. Love the guy. He ain't playing for Georgia. And not his wildest dreams. This dude, you cannot go to Georgia without playing a single snap of high school football. You can't do that. You can go to Texas A&M Commerce. I think it's where he went. You can go there and learn how to play football via YouTube, you can do that. Go from bowling in high school to being a quarterback in the, AA, in the XFL or AAF, whatever. Impressive. Impressive stuff. But yeah, I think, I saw this on Twitter like a couple days ago, and I was going to talk about it on Wednesday, but we ran out of time. So I was going to talk about today. And yeah, I think I think that's what would happen there. I think Georgia would beat the Battle Hawks. Again, I'm not saying they're going to beat the, what do you call it? 
The Brahmas. Brahmas the only team that I think would be the competition here because of who they got at quarterback. Man, is that all I really got for you today? Long-winded intro, and then we talked about some stuff, and yeah. I guess what we got... Okay, I want to go into this, because I'm scrolling through my camera roll right now. And uh, Anthony Richardson has been popping up a lot recently. And rightfully so, rightfully so. And the quarterbacks are going on Saturday, so if you want to watch the quarterbacks, that starts at 12 on Saturday on NFL Network. And we're going to watch Richardson, we're going to watch Stroud, we're going to watch Young, and if a bunch of other quarterbacks, not Will Levis, throw at the combine on Saturday. And throwing at the combine is always a big spectacle. And this is where I think Richardson starts getting more involved with the number one overall pick conversation. He's already starting to get involved, though. But I think more involved. And, like, Richardson against Georgia this year. We talked about Georgia playing an XFL team. Richardson played all right against Georgia. Given the situation, he did play all right against Georgia. And I think tools-wise, he's got the best set of tools out of the quarterbacks in this draft class. I think he's got the strongest arm. Given his size, he's the most athletic. Pound for pound, he's the most athletic quarterback in this draft class. And I saw a graphic today, and it's a Florida fan, so it's just kind of a joking graphic, but the speed of Lamar Jackson, the accuracy of Drew Brees, the arm strength of Josh Allen, and the clutches of Drew, Tom Brady. The only one I agree with is the arm strength of Josh Allen. Everything else, no. <laughs> I mean, it's fun to it's fun to talk about. He ain't as fast as Lamar. I'm not saying he's he's fast. He's very fast. He's not Lamar Jackson fast. He's not that fast. Arguably the most the fastest quarterback out of the starters in NFL history. He's not as accurate as Drew Brees yet, and he's not as clutch as Tom Brady. I don't think anybody is. But that was kind of funny. That reminded me, and I'm glad someone tweeted this out, was the David Montgomery graphic of the – it was from ESPN or Fox Sports, whichever one. Feet of Saquon Barkley, the vision of Le'Veon Bell, the strength of Ezekiel Elliott, and the athleticism of Sony Michelle. Like, that's – I'm glad that graphic popped up because I completely forgot about that graphic. But Richardson, I think will blow away the combine on the workout side. I think he'll do well in the interviews as well. He's already had a few interviews that have gone well. He could have – I – I think he could definitely be at the number one. I think he should, I think when it's all said and done, he'll probably be a top three pick. I think he'll be a top three pick. And the other one that's being talked about a lot is uh, there continues to be reportedly, continues to reportedly be, quote, serious talk among NFL personnel people at the combine that Will Levis will be the first quarterback off the board. That is depending which team ends up with the first pick. Kentucky QB is set to work out the NFL combine on Saturday. He's not throwing, though. He's not throwing, though. So we'll see how that all goes there. At least what, what reports are saying is he's not going to throw. But we're looking at the combine right now. I think there's a really strong... And we kind of toyed with this idea a couple weeks ago. And it's not going to be a very popular idea, but there's a chance that Stroud is the fourth quarterback off the board. And not a lot of people are going to like that. A lot of people seem to like C.J. Stroud. And rightfully so. C.J. Stroud is a very good quarterback. But there's more question marks... Some question marks. I'm not going to say there's a bunch of them. Athletically and arm strength-wise than there are the other three, the top three, or top four. Out of the other top four, he's got more questions in regards to athleticism and arm strength because he's not as athletic as any of the three. He's got the weakest – I say weak arm. He doesn't have a weak arm. He does not have a weak arm, okay? I would like to say that first off. It's just not as strong as Richardson, Levis, or Youngs. I think that's the order, too. He doesn't use his feet at all, and there's times he can look kind of uncomfortable in a dirty pocket. But we've seen him at his best. Like, the highs and lows of Stroud, given what he has around him, because I know people are going to go, well, the lows of Levis have been the lowest out of all of them. And yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. Him and Richardson definitely have had the lowest, but they've been on the worst teams. 
And that's another thing. When you're going to a team that's as bad as the teams that are going to be picking this high, then the people are... I'm not saying I'm having these conversations with myself. I'm saying this is how teams are going to start thinking and asking. How much of his success is due to him versus the fact that he's had Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., Ebeka Agbuka, all first-round draft picks. To, I guess, two potential because we don't know about Agbuka and, uh, and Marvin Harrison Jr. yet. But that's the that's what teams are going to ask. And then potentially two first-round tackles and Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson, that's what people are going to start asking. And when you go to a team that's bad, that's what's going to scare – might scare some teams. I think personal per, like personality-wise, he got no issues. He got absolutely no issues in regards to what kind of person he is. But they are going to ask those kind of questions. So it'll be interesting to see how he tests because I think Levis and Richardson will test better and I think Young is better. So that's the that's the catch-22 here with C.J. Stroud. I think there could be a really strong reality of where the top three quarterbacks to these three teams, Colts, Levis, Texans, Stroud, or Texans Young, and Panthers, Richardson. I'm not saying that's the order, but... I think the Texans want Bryce Young. But the thing is, with the Texans, and why we didn't have them trading up to number one from two, and I think there's a very strong possibility, is the involvement of the 12th pick. That's going to be the the kicker in regards to the Texans trading up. Because I'm sure as hell the Chicago Bears are going to want that 12th pick. And I'm sure as hell the Houston Texans are not wanna get not wanting to give up that 12th pick. The Bears are saying they're open for business. The number one pick is available. That's the kicker here. Because the Colts can trade future picks there too. Because if the Texans are going to be like, well, if we're throwing in the 12th pick, we're not giving up XYZ. But if we don't throw in the 12th pick, we'll give up XYZ. We'll give you future picks and stuff like that. So that's the interesting fact there. So I think the Texans want Young. I think Bryce Young is the Texans guy. But if they can't strike a deal with the Bears, because I think it'll be harder for them to do the deal than the Bear, the Colts will... Because it's the same thing, like, you look at the Bills in 2018. When they traded up for Josh Allen, if they traded up to 5 from 12 with the Broncos, they were going to have to give up the 22nd pick, which they ended up trading up to 16 to draft Tremaine Edmonds. But since they traded up to only 7th, they didn't have to give up the 22nd pick. So, like, there's the different values in here. So, like, if the Bills wanted to keep that 22nd pick to eventually use it on Tremaine Edmonds, who might not be on the roster going forward, we'll see. You're going to have to do some cut back on some things that you might not have wanted to do and might have wanted to do. It's just a, you know, it's just interesting to see how it will work out. And if the Colts, like they've talked about Bryce Young, if they want Bryce Young, they'll take Bryce Young. If they want to trade up the one and get Bryce Young. But I think the Texans are going to be the team that eventually try to trade up for him at this point. But that 12th pick is the thing that's scaring me right now. And the Colts trade up the two. Colts will pick second or first. Colts and Texans are picking one and two. Pretty much, I, at this point, I'm pretty confident in saying that. I don't want to sit here and say, like, I think that's guaranteed throughout the whole draft process. I'm not saying that. But that's how I sit here right now. On March 2nd, I feel like the top two picks will be the Texans-Colts. In whatever order, I think the Bears pick four. Then the third pick comes into conversation. And why this pick comes more into a conversation now is because of the whole Jalen Carter situation. If Jalen Carter did not have the arrest then we might not be even talking about this. Then we might go, oh, the Cardinals are picking a three. But there's a chance the Cardinals trade back. I think the Panthers at nine, who are, like the Colts, 
annoyed with being stuck in quarterback purgatory and are wanting to take their guy, quote-unquote their guy, and if reports are true that they, quote-unquote, love Anthony Richardson, they're going to trade up high to get him. Because Anthony Richardson definitely, though he has the lowest four, has the highest ceiling out of the top four quarterbacks in this draft, given athletic tools and traits and stuff like that. He's easily got the highest floor. Highest ceiling, sorry. Lowest floor, highest ceiling. So if they want to trade up to get him, you're going to have to trade up to probably three. Possibly. Possibly. I'm not saying that's guaranteed. And this has changed since the last mock draft we did because we had them trade up for Levis. I think they like Levis. But if Levis goes to the Colts, then Panthers got to go for Richardson. And the Cardinals trading back, that opens up some more conversations there. But what, what the hell did the Cardinals do? Because the Cardinals arguably have more needs than like the Bears do. Like the Cardinals have edge rusher and D tackle needs as well. They also have corner needs. Their defense stinks. And with the defensive-minded head coach and Jonathan Dan- Gannon coming in with a new GM, they might want to take their make their presence known. And make their presence known in the fact that we're going to start moving in the draft. And the Cardinals, the problem is, the Cardinals trade back from three. Guess who's sitting there at five? Is the Seattle Seahawks, their division rival. You're opening the door now, hypothetically. This is where it gets interesting with the Cardinals. You trade back. You open the door for the Seahawks to take either Anderson or Carter. Or Tyree Wilson, who I think could definitely slip into that conversation. He's an 86-inch wingspan, one inch smaller than Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's not working out at the Combine, but he's going to be at the pro, his pro day. Are you comfortable enough allowing the Seahawks to take a guy that you could have taken a three? That's the conversation these guys will have to have with each other. Because the Bears are taking one of the top three guys. And Carter, Anderson, or Wilson. They're going to take one of those guys at four. The Cardinals are going to take one of those guys at three or trade back. And if they trade back, Seahawks at five are taking one of those two, two of those three guys. And you're not getting one of those guys at nine. I'm sorry, you're not getting one of those top three guys at nine. Because those are three of the top five players in the draft. Guaranteed. No questions asked. Those are three of the top five players. So what are you doing at what are you doing at nine? You're gonna take Van Ness, you're gonna take Murphy, you're gonna take Keon White, you're gonna take uh Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. Devin Harrison, or Devin, Devin Harrison, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois? Are you going to take Peter Skaronsky, get your offensive line figured out? What are you going to do at nine that you can't do at four, apart from gather more picks? And then give your division rival one of the top guys. And then you got the whole conversation of, well, what if they draft a guy that stinks and the Seahawks get a guy that the Cardinals could have had? It's a sticky situation for the Cardinals. The Cardinals are more unpredictable than the Bears. We have a general grasp that the Bears are trading back. General grasp. They're not drafting a quarterback. At this time, I think it'd be stupid for them to draft a quarterback. I don't think that's happening. They got to give Justin Fields a fighting chance at this job. And the difference between him and Josh Rosen, while we're on the topic of the Cardinals, is that Justin Fields is not a dickhead. Big difference. If Justin Fields is a dickhead, then yeah, I'd have no problem with them shipping him off. But he's not. Good dude. Good quarterback. Give an O-line some receivers. We'll see what he can actually do. Yeah, this Cardinals pick at three is interesting. But if I'm sitting here right now, I would not be shocked if A, the Cardinals trade back with the Panthers, and then B, the top three quarterbacks were in no particular order, Young, Levis, and Richardson. And then we're talking about Stroud going to the Raiders at seven. Because I think if the Texans, if hypothetically, if the Colts take Young, the Texans would take Stroud. I think the Texans want one of those two guys. Say 
They have people on the staff that are familiar with those two quarterbacks. I think that makes sense. But it's intriguing. It's intriguing. I said on a Wednesday that Levis fits that Jalen Hurts style more than Richardson does because Levis is not as fast. Rich, hey, Jalen Hurts is a good athlete. He's not – Richardson's faster than Jalen Hurts. I think Levis and Rich, Levis and Jalen Hurts are similar-ish speeds. Did Jalen Hurts run the 40-yard dash? What did he run? Jalen Hurts ran a 4-5-9. Okay. Uh, I don't know. It's close. I don't, I don't think Levis run a 4-5-9. I think Levis would run somewhere in a 4-7, but – and it's going to look really stupid if and when Anthony Richardson runs a slower 40 than that. So you're like, well, shit. <laughs> I said that he's faster than Jalen Hurts. But no, it'll be interesting to see. If they, I don't even know what they're running, if Richardson's running the 40 or not. So Because Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray didn't run 40s. Kyler Murray didn't do anything at the combine apart from getting measured. So who the hell knows what's going on there? What did Jalen Hurts do and all the other things? Broad jump 10-5, vertical 35-inch. I think Richardson has a higher vertical than that. So, yeah, I think Richardson's more athletic than Hurts, but we'll see. I think I think Will Levis would fit what uh, the the Colts are looking for if they're going off that Jalen Hurts thing, if they're going off that. I, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. We'll just have to wait and see. That's fun, though. It is fun. I'm glad, I'm glad the combine's here because that's like our first inclination that the draft's here. That's like, ooh, the NFL draft is officially here, ladies and gentlemen. The NFL draft is here. But yeah, congratulations to the likes of Nolan Smith on dominating the combine so far. Byron Young dominating the combine. Then my guy, my dude, Adibara, running a 4-8-2 at 282 pounds, or 4-4-9 at 282 pounds. Impressive stuff. Impressive stuff. There's a lot of good edge rushers in this class. A lot of good edge rushers in this class. I, I wanted to see Eon, uh, Keon White run, but I don't think we're getting that. I don't think we're getting Keon White in here. Let's see. Uh, have we... Not top performers. Live results. What all do we have here? Do we have more linebackers? Owen Popo, 4-5-0, 40-yard dash time. Did we already say this? Did we say Owen Popo's time? We said his We said his, uh, his vert and stuff. Uh, DeMarvin Overshone from Texas, 4-5-9. Then we have D- Diane Henley, 4-6-3. Let's just go to linebackers. I don't need to look at the entire list. Uh, linebackers. Then we have Jack Campbell, 471. And I think, I don't know if we're doing, yeah, we have to do, is that just that group? Okay, that's the entire group. But yeah. Uh, Kalijah Cansey, 467. Not really that surprising. Brian Bressey, 486. Pretty impressive from him. And yeah, we'll see how um, Isaiah Land, see how this uh, this performance does. For his draft stocks. We already talked about his broad jump being good. So a 10-6. Pretty impressive. Byron Young. Byron Young, Nolan Smith, the top two guys so far. Will McDonald, nice, impressive broad jump. Then you got Adabaro. 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 Sorry. Adabaro with a 4 4 9, 40. Impressive stuff. Impressive stuff. But that's all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show. We got some XFL action taking place this weekend again. We got uh, no reads in it for the Brahmas yet, but we'll see him eventually. We got the Seattle Sea Dragons taking on the Vegas Vipers on Saturday at 6. You can catch that on FX or ESPN+. Plus. You got St. Louis Battlehawks versus the DC Defenders at Sunday at noon. Same channels. You got the Orlando Guardians versus the Arlington Renegades at Sunday at 3. And then Sunday at 7, you've got the Brahmas taking on the Roughnecks. 
Then we have more MLS action this weekend. We have Patrick Kane making his first appearance for the New York Rangers tonight, which is going to be very sad. It's very, very sad to see that happening. And he's on a line, which made me, though, this did make me happy. He's officially on a line with Artemi Panarin. It's just not on the Blackhawks, which is very sad. And it was weird. So it wasn't. A, it became official after we recorded the show on Tuesday. It became officially official on Tuesday. And because we, everybody knew it was happening. Everybody and their mom knew before the season started, Patrick Kane was getting traded. It was just a matter of where. They were linked to like the Vegas Golden Knights. Buffalo Sabres got loosely talked about. We knew that wasn't happening. The Rangers was something that was going to get talked about quite a bit, especially the connection with Panarin there. Uh, who else was the Kings? I think were loosely in that conversation there. But yeah. Going to the Rangers is fine. It doesn't really hurt me, but going into a season, like, I remember talking about when the Cubs traded everybody. Like, Javi got traded, Bryant got traded, Rizzo, Schwarber, all those guys got traded. It was emotional. I remember tearing up on the show, talking about Rizzo and Baez and Bryant all getting traded. It was a tough time. Like, Patrick Kane getting traded, the greatest black player in Chicago Blackhawks history, the greatest American hockey player of all time, and it didn't hit me the same. And the reason why it didn't hit me the same is because what hurt about the Cubs was that you got one championship. Like that one championship thing. We talked about that on Wednesday. Like, would you rather have one, 15, one championship, miss the playoff for 15 years, or keep going to the playoffs and, you know, that thing. Then like we talked about that on Wednesday. And I love the World Series, but there was so much expectation about winning more and promise of more. They were so young. And now you look at them right now, and they're all scattered out throughout the MLB. And you're just like, wow, this is like what could have been. And it made it sad. Wasted potential to a certain extent. Patrick Kane did his thing. Patrick Kane won three Stanley Cups. Patrick Kane won an MVP. Patrick Kane did everything he needed to do in Chicago. It was just a part of a team that was clearly tanking. The Cubs went into that season going like, if we're not winning by All-Star break, we're blowing it up. But then they started winning. And then they started losing like that right after they started winning. So that was what made it sad. That up in the air about, are you getting traded or are you not getting traded thing. Like, I knew Kane was getting traded. There were times about before the season started. He didn't want to get traded at the start of the season. He wanted to say, he said, let's see where we're at, and then we'll trade midseason. Like, I love what Patrick Kane did as a fan, as someone that watched the Blackhawks religiously growing up. To be honest, I haven't <laughs> I've been I've done a bad job. I apologize watching recently. I try to catch games every once in a while, but I have not sat down and watched a lot of games because they're hard to watch. I'm not gonna lie. They're hard to watch. When your team's tanking. And the tanking thing is fine. I can stomach that. It's tanking and knowing you're not going to get the number one overall pick. That's what sucks. And I had a lot of great memories at William Penn, uh, watching hockey with all like Zach and Kevin, who've been on the show before, becoming hockey fans, talking shit with them, talking shit with Brett, who's a St. Louis Blues fan. It was just fun. And you had Patrick Kane. I got the jersey. Like, it's just so many good memories watching Patrick Kane with the Blackhawks. It just sucks that you had to see it like this. Like D Rose getting traded from Chicago to New York. Like it just sucks. A lot of all my favorite players get traded to New York. I just realized that. Kane to the Rangers, Rizzo to the Yankees, and Rose to the, to the Knicks. Fun. But yeah, I appreciate everything Patrick Kane did in Chicago. The greatest Blackhawks player of all time. I know people have like Stan Makita. You got Bobby Hole. They got a lot of great players in Blackhawks history. But Patrick Kane reigns supreme. That goal against the Flyers in the 2010 Stanley Cup will live rent free in my head forever. So my Nana and Papa's house, Nana and Papa's house, my dad and I were sitting there watching it and my dad went to go talk to my grandparents and my mom and sister in the other room 
He said, Logan, go get me when overtime starts. I was like, okay. So I go out and get him when overtime starts. And then a few minutes later, I'm screaming because Patrick Kane just scored to win the Stanley Cup. It was one of the greatest moments of my life watching sports was that moment. 2010 Stanley Cup final against the Flyers in Philly. Like, so many great memories watching Patrick Kane, watching the Blackhawks win. And then they see, like, the team slowly, like, fading away. Because it was something like holding on for too long. And it can be a problem at times. Like, trying to hold on to the core for too long and then eventually, like, it's been seven years since the last Stanley Cup final. It's been really that long since they've been competent in the playoffs. I remember at William Penn getting swept by the Predators in the playoffs. And that was kind of the signal of the end. And it's sad to see your team go down like that, but I'm not upset because they at least, they won. And they won a lot. There are some questionable things that happened throughout the course of that time frame. And uh, we've talked about the stuff last year that took place. And it, it hurt as a fan. It hurt to have your favorite player be a part of something like that. And we accosted it on the show. But for what he did on the ice, what he did for the Blackhawks, again, greatest player of all time. So I thank Patrick Kane for what he did. I'm I'm a kind of a pseudo-Rangers fan now. We got Panarin. You got Patty Kane. I messaged Brett about an hour ago, maybe two hours ago, because I've been doing the show for an hour, so two hours ago. I was like, man, I never thought I'd see the day where Tarasenko and Patty Kane were on the same team. Yet here we are. Brett, a St. Louis Blues fan, me, a Blackhawks fan, now our two favorite players are on the Rangers together. So <laughs> we'll have to see how that turns out, but I'm hoping that they do well. I'm hoping they do well. Cheering for Panarin, cheering for Kane. Yeah. And my friend Johnny, one of my childhood friends, he's got a Panarin jersey. We went to Chicago to watch a Blackhawks game. They played the Wild. Johnny had his Panarin jersey on. I had my Kane jersey on. Blackhawks won. One of my first memories on Snapchat is of Patrick Kane skating on the ice. Like, awesome. But it's sad to see it end, but it had to end at some point. Just sucks it had to end on a team that was tanking. But I respect his commitment to Chicago. I respect his, what he did, everything he did on the ice. Questionable things off the ice, yeah. But greatest player in team history. So with that being said, I'm going to sign off here. I hope you enjoy your weekend. Uh, hope Patty Kane scores a hat trick tonight in his Rangers debut. If he does end up playing, I know that's the report, but we have I'm not sure if that's 100% happening. But uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed the show. If you did not, I sincerely apologize. Make sure, again, you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, and I will see you guys later. Remember to check out Mock Draft 1.0 on the LoganBlackmanShow.com. Peace.